Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning, everybody. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, Light 100.5, WRCH, and 96.5 TIC. This week on Face Connecticut, we remember former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello with a rebroadcast of my interview with her biographer, Paul Perota which broadcast originally on May 22, 2022, which was three days after she turned 100 years old. This past week, we learned the trailblazing lawmaker died at the age of 100. And I'm getting the chance now to speak in a long-form interview with her biographer, Paul Perota. Good morning, Paul. Welcome to the show. Good Sunday to you, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Before we talk about former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello, we should just ask about you for a second and how did you get to know Mayor Ann? So her parents were born in the same hometown in Sicily as I was born. When I got here in 1970, here meaning Connecticut, uh, she was our hero. You know, she she was the mayor. She was from my hometown. But I did not meet her until about 10 years ago when the uh, then mayor from our hometown of uh, Sicily came to uh United States, and I was able to arrange a meeting with her. So I've only known her for about 10 years, actually. So when you got to meet her, what were some of the things that went through your mind? Here she is. She's the first female mayor of a major city in Connecticut, and she's one of the first female mayors of any city in the United States of America. So what was going through your mind? Was it, wow, she has a lot of history? So it was uh, two primary factors. Number one, I was extremely impressed with the, her uh, strength from the standpoint of um, maintaining the ties to the hometown. I could not believe that, uh, you know, 90 years later she could speak uh, Sicilian as well as we did. I was very impressed how close she was to her family. The second part is uh, what started our discussion. I said to her, how come nobody has written a book about you? And she told me that, unfortunately, somebody had, but didn't go very well. And so I said, hey, uh, what do you think? I'm willing. And that's how we started. So what went into this book? Could you you talk a little bit about the book itself? What's it called? What went into it? How did it begin? So the the, the book has had two revisions. This is the second revision. The the, the book is called The Exceptional Miss Uccello the legacy of uh, Hartford's first female mayor. 
And what I was trying to accomplish really was to document how a woman who is the daughter of a Sicilian shoemaker, first of all, got to go to college because uh, back in the 1920s and 30s, probably not many daughters of uh, immigrants got to go to college. How did she manage to somehow get on the uh, council? And then, miracles of miracles, she got to beat the uh, Democratic machine of John Bailey and uh, get elected mayor in Hartford. And it's just fascinating to me that someone like that, she must have been something special. One thing that comes to my mind when I think about the 1960s, and for lack of a better term, it was a man's world, right? Yes. And here she is, she's a woman getting in on management at G. Fox and Company, also in politics. When she was getting started, was this a goal of hers to break into what was predominantly a man's world, or did she not think anything about it and she just wanted to go about and do her thing? Uh, The latter. She never looked at it, she being a woman in a men's world, and she looked at it from the standpoint, I can compete on uh, even terms with the best of them. It started from the very young age. Her father and mother instilled in her that she could accomplish anything she put her mind to. She attended St. Joseph College, uh, then all women college, and she was instilled the same thought process that she could accomplish anything she wanted to. So she went to work for Mrs. Arbach at GFAX. Again, a lady who needs no introduction and an executive in a men's world. So I think there were a lot of factors that influenced her, but clearly was not a feminism, let's say, in the traditional form. What about her background made her a great leader for G. Fox, for the city of Hartford? Something must have happened in her background, maybe uh, because she's from a larger family, good family ties, uh, her interest in community. Was there any one factor, in your view, having written this biography of her, that made her a great candidate to be a leader in her later life? So um, one of the first articles that I came across from the uh, local papers when I started my research was a 1967 article by the that was headlined, uh, uh, Anne Ucello claims she's not a politician. And now if we had a penny every time someone said that, we'd probably be both rich. But in her case, and I'm going to read to you, if you don't mind, a paragraph from an article that was written back in 1969, which I think captured exactly the lady and the person. Sure. And is that paradox, the best of politicians, the worst of politicians. Most of all, as noted by the Democrats, she confounds her, confounds them, excuse me. She's just herself. As corny as it sounds, her conscience is her guide, even when taking unpopular positions. And, and that was then, like, I think that the uh, Democrats focused on Anne, and Anne was kind of uh, really non-existent. It was Antonina, the old uh, school Italian lady, who was very pragmatic and wanted to study the issues and try to solve them as best they can. I came across a quote from her boss at G. Fox, who basically said, you're going to be mayor of Hartford. And did Anne actually recognize that at that point in time? Not at all, not at all. Anne recounted to me the story about uh, 
I guess on Sundays they used to get together, Mrs. Arbach, and read the headlines. And of course, then she informed her that uh, the uh, she was going to run for office. Uh, and uh, as she was going out the door, Mrs. Arbach said, uh, "Anne, you know, someday you're going to be mayor." And I think Anne was uh, shocked and surprised. Uh, she did not have any such aspiration. She really had no long-term political aspirations other than get on the council. To be a good mayor, to be a good leader, to be a good politician, not in all cases, but it helps if you're a personable person. And I think that a lot of people look back at former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello and see her as someone who is quite personable, somebody who was actually there for her people, for her constituents. And is that a factor that led to her success? In your view, no, no doubt about it, uh, Morgan. No doubt about it. The and uh, as I was saying earlier, the, the the Democratic politicians tried to put obstacles in her way. I think the more they did, the more she came across as a likable person. Uh, the people saw a woman who was trying to solve some issues like uh, housing and, and the lead paint and the uh, water supply and so forth and so on. And they rewarded her with their confidence. And let's not forget, we're talking about a time during the civil disobedience and civil rights of 1967, 68, 69. Tumultuous period. Exactly. And she was out there in the middle of the crowds being present, being a leader, which not many people did back then. At the chagrin of police, they told her not to do it, right? Absolutely. She she was fearless. You know, the um, she was making a presentation at a high school uh, group of students, and someone asked her, "She, uh, were you not afraid to do that?" And her response, I think, says much about her, which was, "I had with me my secret weapon, my rosary," and that's the woman of faith that she is. Yes, exactly. We're recalling the time. In 1968, when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, there were riots countrywide, and she went there for what, the whole night, I think it was? She was there talking with the people, is that right? Absolutely, and she, you know, she, um, that is a very famous picture of her receiving a group of students from um, uh, Hartford High School in front of the uh, municipal building in Hartford, uh, discussing with them, receiving them, because I think that was part of the frustration of the time. People didn't feel that they were being listened to. So I think just by being there, by listening, by discussing, that did a lot to diffuse the uh, situation. And it wasn't just Dr. King's assassination that was going on in the late 1960s. There was a lot. There were a lot of social, economical, and greater political issues that were going on at that time period. You had the Vietnam War. You had counterculture going on in the United States against perhaps older establishment, newer establishment. So how did former Mayor Anusello in bring some tranquility or peace or understanding to Hartford during these difficult times? So I, I think Ann was um, truly ahead of her time. Uh, again, I'm going to be quoting from a speech that she gave back in May 1969 mm-hmm. about Hartford. And uh, just very couple of, uh, you know, very uh, two brief segments. It says, uh, it starts after introducing the subject. It says, the poor, the disadvantaged, 
disadvantaged, the minority groups continue to come into the city. We cannot post sentinels or erect barriers at the entrance of the city and check credit cards. We cannot tell them, go back where you came from. And it goes on to say, it says, of all the problems in Hartford, the one that's the most difficult is the hardening of attitudes or apathy surrounding the poverty in the midst of plenty. The, uh, it is my belief that the city of Hartford problems are everyone concerned. And we must recognize that our generation has been chosen to deal with problems of regressing certain long-endured inequities in our society. She concludes with just this comment. She says, Dante once wrote, the hottest corners in hell are reserved for people who in time of moral crisis maintain their neutrality. I think it could apply even to today, if I may say so. Here we are, more than 50 years later, during her administration and even after her years as mayor in Hartford. What are some stories that she may recall about people going up to her? People going up to her and maybe thanking her for something that she did, perhaps recalling a great moment of her administration. Does she have any personal stories that she's relayed to you uh, that she's heard from older constituents and people who remember her leadership? The best one, I think, is um, as we when we were speaking and I was interviewing her, at one point in time she got very philosophical, and she never does that. But she said, you know, what did I really accomplish? And I asked her, I said, okay, what what was it? And she said one of the biggest rewards she ever got in her public life, after many years, many years after she had become mayor, was a letter that she received from a woman whose father uh, had passed away, and I guess they were friends of the family, and sent a note. And the woman basically said, Anne, if it was not for you, I would have never been able to go to college. If it was not for you, my hard-headed Sicilian father would have never agreed to send me to school. But once you became mayor, he said, you know, if Finn can do it, you can do it. And I think there must be hundreds, if not thousands, of those situations. It's difficult to quantify the benefit of the example that someone like Ann had on the community. Does she see that as, wow, I really did do something bigger than just be the mayor of Hartford, or does she not look at it as anything special? She just went about doing what she did in her life. Uh, you know, to say that she did not look at it as something special, obviously it would not be the case, but nor does she give as much importance to it. You know, I think if she had been, uh, and I apologize for this commentary, but if she had been a liberal Democrat and a woman and a mayor in the 1960s, she may have run for probably vice president, not president, because they, they wouldn't allow it. But I, I think that she happened to be one of those uh, people who basically said, listen, I do not care what uh, sex or anything else. I'm a person who can do this, and I will do it. At one point in time, she did try to go after some higher office, and she was making some waves in Washington, D.C. Obviously, if you're a female mayor of a major city, it's going to travel down to D.C., word of that, and, and your happenings, right? At that point in time, it was pretty uncommon. But what were her interactions with Washington? So prior to her actually joining the Nixon administration, 
she had been invited by uh, Richard Nixon in 1968, 69, uh, to go to San Diego to attend a conference on housing because that was one of her specialties. And when she returned, she was very blunt at, uh, with some reporter and said, you know, this was just a photo op. They didn't need me. Why the, did they bother me? Well, Nixon uh, apparently heard about that at, and at another conference in Indianapolis. I think he was president already and invited her. Not only did he invite her, but the first comment he made was, well, I understand that Ann was not happy six months ago when we did this, so Ann, here is the floor for you. Huh. And or anybody else would probably have been, uh, you know, taken aback. She was ready. She had prepared herself, and I think that's one thing about her. She prepares herself to such a degree that nothing, nothing surprises her. The other story, if I may, with Richard Nixon, apparently happened in the White House when uh, she went in there to uh, uh, be sworn in for the Department of Transportation. And Nixon looked at her and said, you mean to tell me you could not steal 600 votes to win the elections? Because she had lost the elections by some 600 votes to, to, in the congressional uh, race. And Anne was taken aback. You know, what do you say to a president who says you can't steal this many votes? So Anne was, uh, you know, truly one of a kind, just a straight-up person. After her years in politics, what happened to her? Was she still involved in Hartford or elsewhere in Connecticut? Did she kind of get out of the public life? What happened to her? So one of the... Uh, factors that I looked at was that Ann was never a, uh, a favorite of the political uh, establishment in the Republican Party in Hartford. Her victories were the victories of herself and a campaign manager who, by the name of George Ducharme, who was truly a marketing genius. But she did not have any uh, coattails. When she came back from Washington in 78, and uh, I think Beeble was the GOP chairman, she was given a minor job, and after, I don't know, six months, a year, she was let go. She tried to run against uh, Kennelly, Barbara Kennelly, in uh, 82, I think it was, and lost. And after that, she just uh, spent most of the time with the Hartford Library. She loved the library. She spent many hours as a trustee and as president of the library. Fast forward to 2022. She's just turned 100 years old. What are the sentiments? She's made it to 100. I mean, that's incredible for anybody, and especially somebody of former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello's status in Connecticut. What are some of the feelings that she has, her family has, on this momentous occasion? You know, it's... Um... First of all, it should be said, her mind is still as sharp as ever. And I'm sure she's lost something, but I can assure you she is, if not fully aware, she's aware of the issues of the day and follows uh, uh, on the newscast. Usually after watching the morning mass, then she watches the news. But so from her standpoint, you know what I um, noticed? Uh, I brought the book to her, this latest book, and I wanted to take a picture of her holding the book, and she was almost uh, shy. You know, like she said, uh, why am I exceptional? 
Uh, and, and I think she still feels that way. You know, it's it's funny after this many years and this many accolades that she would feel that way. But I think there are some of those feelings. As to the family, I think this is the closest family I've ever seen. I, this is an unbelievable family that has supported each other uh, and has been at the forefront. But let me tell you, the other sisters, the other four sisters, two have passed away. Uh, they were 100% supporting Anne's and her activities. This is a one great family. Our world today in 2022 is radically different from what it was in the late 1960s, but it's just as crazy. It's just crazy for different reasons. But if she were to look back at her 100 years right here on planet Earth, in Connecticut, in Hartford, is there anything that she would say to the people of today to try to guide them through any kind of tumultuous period that we're going through? You know, that's a tough one to answer, but uh, I'll try it this way. Anne, a politician who was not a politician, if there is a problem today, you know, this confrontation, which has become at times violent and at times uh, insulting to the end degree, I think Anne would have never stood up for that. If there is something she would say is return to civility, unify the purpose, because after all, we all have the same objectives, maybe different than how to get there. But Anne loved dialogue, loved arguments, but at the end of the day, she was very pragmatic. And also, going forward in the future, and this is kind of my last thought here, if we go 50 years in the future, People are going to see her name because it's right there on I-84 in downtown Hartford. She has a street named after her right in downtown. How is that going to help solidify memories of former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello? Lessons from her going into the future. Keep her legacy alive. So I sincerely hope that the, the little work that I have done with Halt in that process, the, the, the Hartford Library as uh, the uh, Hartford History Center, which has a lot of her material, some of our material has been donated to the Connecticut Historical Society, so I think there are enough places that will keep her uh, uh, alive. The uh, what was two, three years ago, probably four years ago, they added a, an explanation, if you will, to the sign of Enucello Street, saying "First Female Mayor of Hartford." So hopefully that will help in the explanation. But the other thing I want you to understand, I want your listeners to understand. Uh, five years ago, we actually managed to have a street, actually the street where father was born, renamed in the hometown, Kanigatini Bani, near Syracuse. It was renamed to Mayor and Ucello Street. So not only does she have a name, uh, a street named after her here in the United States, but also one in her native uh, Sicily. Paul, that's absolutely amazing. I actually didn't know that. That's great. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right. I really want to thank you, Paul Perota, biographer for former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello, affectionately known by many of her constituents at the time and even people looking back now as Mayor Ann. Any final thoughts? Anything that we didn't touch on? No, I think you uh, really covered uh, many points uh, that uh, needed to be covered. The, the only uh, uh, comment I will make is that I uh, sincerely hope that uh, uh, and uh, Anne's contribution 
will be studied more than just, uh, you know, superficially. I think if uh, people were to go back to read some of his speeches, approaches to policies and so forth, I think the city of uh, Hartford and other cities could uh, greatly benefit from that. So that is my hope. Paul Perotta, thank you so much for coming on this morning on Face Connecticut. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Morgan. Again, this has been a rebroadcast of my episode of Face Connecticut from last May 2022 with Paul Perotta, biographer for former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello, the last Republican mayor to lead Hartford. She served from 1967 to 1971. We hope that this show shares a little bit of history and insight into Mayor Ann's life and Hartford history in general. WTIC, remembering Ann Ucello, who we learned this week recently passed away at the age of 100. Thank you for listening. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 